Hey everybody, I'm Peter, and I just want to sleep without being electrocuted. He's Mike, and wait, he did this whole podcast for fruit? I guess so. And our guest for the evening, a lifelong Star Wars fan, technology enthusiast, and Mike's brother-in-law, mm-hmm. Tony Norton. How you doing, hey, Tony? Hey, 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 hey. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming. It's been a long time. I saw you only last night. <laughs> but uh, together, we're Rebels Rebels, the podcast where we explore the Star Wars expanded universe through an episode by episode deep dive through the animated Star Wars series, Star Wars Rebels. Uh, so before we get started, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review on iTunes. It helps a buttload. But you can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff at Rebels Rebels Pod, or you can email the show at Rebels Rebels Pod at gmail.com. Cool. All right, Mike, you ready? Yeah, Tony, you ready? I'm so ready. Cool. We're talking about <laughs> season one, episode three, Spider Flight. For some reason, this episode name is really hard for me to say, and I don't know why. It I is say tough. Fighter Fight. I think they're trying to make the fight or flight. Yep. It, right. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. It messes me up every time. Yeah. So the the summary, Ezra and Zeb go to Lothal's market for provisions and to work on their relationship. So we're starting aboard the ghost. Um, you didn't have this note in here and I threw it in here. Yeah. The very first shot, you see the ghost heading to Lothal. Um, is this in the additions you guys watched? It's like I don't two, remember. It's two seconds. Probably. Yeah, it's the ship flying towards the planet, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it looks freaking cool. Yeah, yeah. It looked really cool. Yeah, we always have to check in because there's these weird things that are cut out of the TV but appear on the Blu-ray, and I don't know why. They yeah. seem kind of innocuous. Same thing if you start diving into YouTube. Uh, it's... Oh. Yeah. So, careful. Yeah, it's it's a bit weird, but the first thing we see is Ezra, Ezra practicing uh, <laughs> using the Force, and I like this. I think this is a great first shot of where he's trying to, like, make a bowl levitate. Dude, I don't know why Chopper is being such a D, but it's so funny. So he's right. like, Ezra thinks he's doing the Force, and then, like... The bowl's floating, but then the angle turns. You see Chopper's holding the bowl up with his arm. It's like, gotcha. I feel like that's weird, right. sophisticated technology for like a droid that they would like put in. Like whoever created this droid made them have like this sense of humor. Yeah, they're always mocking. Right? I know. I don't get yeah, it. Astromechs are always mocking. Like like Don Rickles uh, like program that we're doing, you know? <laughs> such a perfect <laughs> that's perfect for Chopper. I have, right. I have no idea why what what purpose would that serve in real life? Like why would you want a sassy droid? I don't know. Or why would you program a droid to have like be afraid of things? Besides like uh, you not yeah. wanting your droid like to get messed yeah. up. I don't know. Right. It's, it's all it weird. It seems counterintuitive. Yeah. So anyways, Speaking uh, of being a D Yeah. chopper, <laughs> chopper, the yeah. biggest D. Um, that's weird. Uh, so <laughs> a, a chopper messes with Ezra and Ezra gets, you know, ticked off and starts chasing Ezra uh, chopper through the ghost. Um, and then all of a sudden he s- runs into Sabine, who's doing some spray paint, uh, like, yeah, like graffiti, like graffitiing her room. 
Yeah, right? I, thought, I thought this was kind of cheesy, but then I did some I did some research into it, and there's actually some kind of cool stuff here. Uh, first of all, um, the thing I like is he gets kind of distracted, and he's like, "Hey, what's up, girl? If you ever need a little inspiration." Like it reminded me of Titanic when it's like, paint me like your French girl. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I don't know why I thought of that. I, I, what's funny is I was going to write the exact note <laughs> into the outline and I saw you already did it and I was like, okay, perfect. So someone else thinks. Okay, perfect. We're both at the same maturity level with this stuff. Paint me like right, me. right. I like uh, the, uh, if you sit in the back, there's a, like a stormtrooper helmet with like a cross through it. Yeah. 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 Um, that's not that was awesome then i was wondering like hey she's like spray painting in an enclosed space <laughs> yeah. i don't see any masks like are they not concerned with that stuff or oh i know yeah uh, and like they can't vent that out into space right or maybe they can i, don't I like know. to think that sabine's helmet has like a gas mask in it, right. but she just doesn't care about the rest of the crew right it's like they could all die early gas poisoning <laughs> deaths but i'll just i'll be fine uh, but that Stormtrooper head is cool because we talked about it in our first episode. There's this viral marketing site um, that has like a shipyards like graffiti or a shipyard poster advertising this Empire shipyard. And it has that exact thing spray painted on it. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, it's yeah, really helmet, cool. Yeah. So I like that picture a lot. That's actually I think that's both of our desktop backgrounds after <laughs> we recorded this episode. Yes, it was. <laughs> Uh, there's well, some I'll other- do it too. Fine. <laughs> yeah, sick. It's kind of a requirement if you're coming on. You have to change your desktop background, or you're not allowed on our show. <laughs> um, the other thing, there's a couple other cool little hidden things. Um, so from Clone Wars, there's two bounty hunters, Cad Bane and Embo. Love Cad Bane. Uh, you could see that she doodled their heads on there. I was looking for that. I couldn't see that. Yeah, if you search, if you search on the Internet, uh, you can find pictures of it. It's super hard to see. I'm assuming that's just an Easter egg from the creators and she doesn't know who Cad Bane and Embo are because I would have no idea how their paths crossed. Mm, well, um, it's a it's a small world. It's Star Wars for yeah. as big as the universe is. It's super mm. small. right? Yep. And speaking of uh, her, we've talked about her Phoenix logo. I did yeah. some research on that. It's actually called the Starbird. And there's a book of Sabine Hmm. stuff where it has her journal. The book's called My Rebel Sketchbook. And it's her journal. And she writes, there's a lot of meaning to the symbol. According to some, the starbird can never die. Whenever it seems to be gone, it's actually renewing itself in the heart of a Nova. So it's basically a phoenix. We were right. But it's like a space phoenix. Um, Well, do you know what I noticed on her shoulder? She has like that weird wolf dog drawing. Do you know what I'm talking about on her left shoulder? I didn't notice. It's I think that's the coolest thing. And I I should have looked it up. I don't know what that is, but I know there are loath wolves. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that's like a loath loath wolf or like some kind of a metaphor how she's like a lone wolf or something. Mm -hmm. But I like it. I don't know. I didn't see that. I'm going to have yeah. to go back and rewatch. I'll go back to, I wonder, is it's it cool. like the Mandalorian thing? Cause like Boba Fett's armor has. Yeah. Well, no, Boba Fett like has an animal that, on it. Yeah. Like, he has, yeah. He has that tusk. Um, yeah. It's kind of like a mastodon or something. Yeah. But no, she has like a wolf with like its tongue out. It's like super menacing looking. And I don't Ooh, know. I like it. That's cool though. That's cool. Tattoo idea. Okay. All three of us sure. have to get tattoos now. <laughs> all right. All right. So you're just, changing your desktop and then you're getting a tattoo. Okay. First tattoo. Thanks for being on the show. <laughs> first tattoos, but then after I just want to dance. I just want to be, I just want to go to the club and I just want to dance. 
Cool. So going back to the starboard symbol, because we talked about this, uh, one of the interesting things I I hypothesized when we first talked about it, that it was a direct that's where they got the Rebel Alliance logo from. Like yeah. someone saw that it was like, oh, that's a cool logo. I'm just going to kind of alter it for the Rebel Alliance. But the interesting thing is that's partially true. So Sabine's Phoenix logo got super popular. There's an episode where they're crawling around these tunnels and she sees someone else painted it because she had never been in that location. And also in Rogue One, um, what's his name? Farns Monsby has oh, yeah. that logo on his helmet where you usually see the Rebel Alliance logo yeah. as the, the Sabine's Phoenix. So that's kind of cool. But the interesting thing is the Rebel Alliance logo exists at the same time separately. Oh, so weird. It's, it's not inspired by that. Yeah. Actually, the guy who created the Sabine Starbird, his name's Chris Glenn. He said it's meant to hint at the Rebel Alliance symbol that will appear in later films. But there's yeah. never been like an in-universe connection to the two. So just right. and oh, they're also both called Starbird. So the Rebel Alliance symbol, the one we all know, that's called a Starbird, too. Weird. I know. All I did right. not know this. Yeah. yeah, this is new information. All right. Anyway, so after um, Sabine kind of shuts him down, uh, she's not like she's, you know, she can throw the sass back. Uh, Ezra kind of he stumbles into Zeb's and his room. And I didn't know they were sharing rooms at this point. So that's yeah, cool. Why are they sharing rooms? I don't know, but apparently there's Boys no. Boys in one room, girls in other rooms. <laughs> yeah. Make room for the Holy Ghost. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. You've been to too many summer camps, friend. Uh, so uh, Chopper like accidentally shoots Zeb with an electricity bolt. Yeah. Um, and quote makes, unquote accidentally. Yeah. Accidentally shoots Zeb. Uh, make in the first thing I thought of was, oh, man, he could be a Sith Lord. Is that force lightning? Chopper, <laughs> Chopper the Sith Lord. Uh. I mean, he's not really, but. Uh, but Ezra keeps reminding Zeb that he saved his life um, and tells him that, you know, in some places when ma- um, when a man saves your life, he's your servant forever. It just made me think of P. Diddy's manservants. Like, <laughs> like, I guess I guess P. Diddy saved his manservant's life. I have no idea. What, is that the dude with the umbrella? Yeah, that got famous. P- yeah, it's like Farnsworth or something. Yeah, Farnsworth. That's P. Diddy's manservant. Oh. Yeah, right. All right. Everything. And I love how they have bunk beds, though. Yeah. Why? For all the activities, they need room. Oh, yeah. So I wrote down, I wrote that down as when Ezra jumps onto the boat, I wrote down, do you like guacamole? (laughs) 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 And then the bed collapses. Right? So, yeah. uh, Like, Chopper, it turns out Chopper sabotaged Ezra's bed, causing it to fall in Zep, which, first of all, is hilarious. Second of all, it's dangerous. Like that could kill someone. Yeah, it looked like straight up steel. Like it looked like a steel block. Yeah, it looks very bulky. So and he like shakes. It's very Don Ricklesy. He shakes his like. <laughs> 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 <you're> just like. <laughs> Hopefully he didn't die. <laughs> Man, I would not want a droid that can play practical jokes on. Him. <laughs> Yeah. That does not seem convenient or like useful. Yeah. So because of all the hijinks, Mom Hera, which, you know, I love Mom Hera, might be my favorite Rebels character. She gets all stern and she kicks him off the ship because they are causing too much trouble. Well, before she does that, Zeb goes to tackle Ezra and he jumps on this like bar and 
his like you it's the first time i've noticed what's it called when you're like when you have dexterity when you can use both your hands and your feet being spider-man no agile agile i thought there was like a word for it ambidextrous ambidextrous is that it spider-manitis I think that's uh, like left and right. Yeah, that's left and right. Well, anyways, he's like he's like multi ambidextrous. Like he can he's like a primate. He can use yeah. his feet to grab and he like jumps from this bar and it's just he's just the most interesting species to me. And we'll yeah. get more into him at the end of this episode, but it's just a very Lasats are very weird. Yeah. So uh, Mom Hera kicks him off the ship and says that they need to go on a supply run together. Like, well, I want to go with him. Who's <laughs> mean? So and she gives them them a shopping list of some stuff they need to get. Don't go blaming this on me. Enough. This is my ship you're wrecking, and I want you off it. Hera, be reasonable. Come on, you know what he's like. Uh, what's this? A market list. The town of Kothal's two clicks to the south, and I'm sending you both on a supply run. With him? With each other. There's two interesting things about this. Um, first of all, if you translate the Orabesh on that shopping list, it has a couple items on it, and they're pretty funny. So the first one's the Meluron Melon, which she mentions. Second is Science Dip. Does, <laughs> does anyone know what Science Dip is? I have no idea. I got nothing. I know. Science I'm thinking like maybe dip? fun dip. What's the space fun dip? What's the powder stuff you used to like? Cocaine. Like, <laughs> <laughs> always jumping over there. What's this stuff that remember that candy you used to lick and then like dip into the powder? Yeah, that's the fun dip. Yeah, oh, that's fun dip. Okay, so that's what it is. It's space science fun dip. dip. Space waffles is on the list. Okay, a large fun. bag for who knows what. Probably a body bag. Okay, riding ham, <laughs> like. Ham that you ride on? No, 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 no. You got that all wrong. It's ham for when you are riding. That's it. <laughs> okay. It's like a snack when you go on a horse ride. Cool. And then this one's probably my favorite one is dill pickles, but it's spelled D apostrophe L L P Y Y K K L E S, which is a very Wookie spelling. So I'm assuming they're like special Wookie pickles. <laughs> I want. Man, I, want <laughs> I want pickles right now. <laughs> are you pregnant i'm sure they're gigantic <laughs> so oh, um, weird <laughs> all right so anyways we th- they take off they are um and when they take off you hear uh, kane and harris say like kane goes he says something like there's no you know uh, yeah, how do you expect them to get on fruit they don't yeah there is no on lothal oh don't even think about coming back without at least one Meluron fruit. Clear? Clear. How do you expect them to find Meluron on Lothal? She's like, I know. Oh, and they didn't bring their like reusable bags. <laughs> I know. Well, you that's know? why they need I, to get a large bag. It's going to be 10 cents. cents a piece, bro. Seriously. You know? <laughs> yeah. So the second interesting thing I said there were two is so Meluron's are Harrow's favorite snack. Yep. So that's cool. She's very healthy. They're actually a legends thing. So Malurons originate from the book X-Wing Wedges Gamble, uh, which was written by Michael A. Stackpole and released in 1996. And it follows Wedge Antilles on his quest for Malurons fruit, I'm assuming. Man, New Cannon loves Wedge Antilles. I feel like he's everywhere. I like Wedge. He's the hero of the rebellion. No, he is. He's a great pilot. Yeah. 
you can't do anything. Get out of here. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, what do you think, Meluron? How do you say it? Melo Meluron. Meluron. It just doesn't look anything like it's spelled. Melurons. What do you think they taste like? Because I think they taste like jackfruit. They just look like it. Oh yeah. No, They're I'm a melon, evidently. Like grapes, like grapeish. Hmm. I'm gonna say it's a mix between those two and a cantaloupe. Try to imagine Ooh. that. Hmm. Can't I can't hmm. imagine their it. technology is so far advanced. I'm sure their fruit is too. All right. Well, so we uh, we we get to the market. It's called the Cathal Market. Cathal. Cathal is the capital of Lothal, right? No, capital city is. Oh, capital city is. This is a city outside of the. Okay. And apparently, people know Ezra in this place. Yeah. Um. He quickly finds out from his buddy Sumar Sumar that uh, they don't grow on Lothal. Yeah, he meets this this guy. He's like, hey, what's up, Ezra? He's, he's evidently an old family friend of the Bridgers, and he's a fruit merchant. Yeah. He's like, oh, you've been tricked. Ezra. Is that Ezra Bridger? Mr. Sumar? <laughs> Ezra. Oh, look how you've grown. Here, have a yogurt. Thanks. Hey, don't suppose you have any Meluruns? Meluruns? <laughs> Meluruns don't grow on Lothal. They don't? <sighs> no, of course they don't. Uh, and right before you see this, you see a Rodian who's speaking Rodian. He's not speaking in the universe, like the galactic basic. Uh-huh. And it made me so happy. Uh, yeah. But this Rodian can you're also racist speak. against Rodians. No, I just want them speaking Rodian. Oh, uh-huh. oh, uh-huh. yeah. Sounds dog whistle to me. <laughs> uh, so another person you see when you first walk up to the market is like this old dude in a headgear. So we talked about this on the last episode. That headgear is specific. It is the original character design for General Luke Skywalker. Yep. From the Star Wars, which was George Lucas's first script for Star Wars. And it's crazy. Yeah, it the was interesting called thing, uh, The Legends of Luke Starkiller and the Journal of the Wills, right? Yeah. Super um, cool. It's it's a crazy story. You Did should you? check it out. There's a Dark Horse comics that animated it and it's wild yeah i've read it um also did you see that peter mayhew a few years ago tweeted out pictures of the original script no yeah it's really interesting i think he maybe got in trouble for that probably (laughs) but it's pretty cool yeah i'm gonna need to find that asap Yeah. yeah so the interesting thing about this guy compared to the last episode is last episode a dude was just wearing that outfit this guy is the actual character model for general luke skywalker so he's kind of an older dude with this facial hair and the white hair. And he looks like Captain Rex, but just more gaunt. Yeah. Yeah. And so in that story, it's General Luke Skywalker was a general, was a Jedi general for the Aquilae. And he was a mentor to Anakin Starkiller. Yep. And so Anakin actually became Luke and General Skywalker was kind of an Obi-Wan Kenobi parallel. Yeah, maybe we'll dive into the old legend stuff. Yeah, later. it's 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 kind of dark horse had some had some good stuff. Oh, I like the new comics better. Tony, do you read any of the extended universe stuff? Uh, new stuff. Yeah. That yeah. I got from, uh, Mikey there. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you read the Vader stuff, right? Vader stuff was, yeah, really good. Nice. So I'm good. actually we're going to talk a little bit more about some extended universe stuff. I, I love it. I'm I'm also partial to the new stuff opposed to the legends, but. There are some people who who would highly disagree with me. Yeah. 
So moving on, um, the farmer friend Morad Sumar, after Ezra leaves, starts getting harassed by an imperial officer, yeah. supply master Yogar List. This guy sucks. You there, Sumar? You changed your mind? No, I told you, I'm not selling my farm. <laughs> Very well. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and also, I don't understand what he's doing. He's trying to pressure him into selling him his farm, but I don't know why. Yeah. And I don't know what his farm does, because when you go to his farm later in this episode, there's nothing there. He's not growing. Right. He's a fruit merchant. He's not right. a farmer. Right. Yeah. There's, there's just like it's they need space because it's a vast, like empty, uh, like Nevada desert. Like, yeah. Why are they being jerks? I don't know. I'm I'm kind of wondering. There's a whole relationship between the Empire and fruit that I don't understand going through this episode. <laughs> so we'll talk about that a little later. Um, we also see. So uh, they talk to another another Rodian, which Mike won't like this guy. It's the same speaks. guy. It's the same guy I pointed out. In the, oh, already. is this one? That, OK, he can speak basic and he can speak uh, Rodian. Okay. He probably speaks a ton of languages. Right. So his name is Soklo. The, a lot of the Rodians, their names start with a T, but it's a silent T. So his name's Soklo, and he's a factory worker. He was a factory worker, but then after the economy went down, he started working for the Galactic Empire as an informant who who uh, reported to this supply master list in exchange for protection. I don't know how now he's like a fruit merchant, but I guess that's his new gig. Yeah, I mean, it sounds cool. Yeah, he later on in the episode, he kind of gets his comeuppance and I was like, oh, no, that's sad. But then I found out he's a he's a snitch. So oh, uh, he is. Yeah, he's an informant. So that's what he gets. Snitches oh. get ditches. Yeah. <laughs> uh, We're all very tough, just so you know. <laughs> We're all tough. For the listeners at home, we have huge muscles. OK, so <laughs> um, Ezra notices that there are Meluruons. Melu- God, this, this freaking Meluruons. Yeah, this freaking word, this freaking fruit. Yep. Uh, Meluruons in this container. This whole episode could have been avoided had he just listened to his better instincts and just stolen one right away. Yeah. Instead, he goes over to the Rodian, asks him how much. They say they aren't, they're not selling because they belong to the Empire. So we get into our whole next scene where this attempted hijacking starts. Um, they see the Imperial troopers bring the case, the containers, the crates of Melaruans over to their transport, which is a weird like pickup truck transport. This so is like there's a- an interesting thing about this transport. Ooh. I don't know if you know any of the history of this. But this Imperial, so Dave Filoni knew that they needed like a transport for a bunch of episodes. And you actually see this specific transport in a lot of episodes. Um, so he used the design from this Kenner toy. Yeah, from which back he, he in the does day. a lot. That's his yeah. thing. But the interesting thing about actually, this I think one. it was a Hasbro toy. No, this one specifically was Kenner oh. um, because it was infamous because it came out between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. But it never showed up in any of the movies. Hmm. So Kenner just like made up this transport that was never in any movies, never in any comics or books, and just uh, sold it because that's what you could do back in the day when yeah. the Star Wars hype was going. That's but then he saw that and was like, oh, like, yeah, we'll put that in there and finally make it actual canon. Yeah, Dave Filoni's cool like that. He does, like, he's, 
he's just a true Star Wars fan who's like always reaching for like kind of world incorporation. I just think it's cool. Yep. So Ezra tries to unsuccessfully steal uh, one of these fruits by using the force to like levitate them back to him mm-hmm. and at first I like that Zeb is like he's doing it he's doing it and then when he <laughs> fails he immediately piles on and it's like ah like sucker didn't I do knew it you couldn't do it uh, which I love that Zeb is so quick to like just destroy his friends yep. Um. so what are we going to do instead well we're just going to steal from the Empire because we're rebels which yep. I like I like that they're like well any chance to you know Poke, you know, mess with the machine. Let's do it. Yep. Right. So while Ezra is raging against the machine, he gets caught. And Zeb, being the quick thinker he is, he took takes all their groceries because he <laughs> got everything on the list except for this stupid fruit and throws the crates that he has at the troopers. So right. now they've got nothing. I like how those troopers like they just. I think Ezra like threw a stick or something. <laughs> and they're both like standing there, and they're like, uh, you know, oh, what's that? Should, should we go check it out? Like, uh, should, should one of us like stay here and guard? No, 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 buddy system. Let's roll. Yeah, I love. Always easily distracted. I know it, that actually specific scene made me think of Metal Gear Solid, the original <laughs> video game, how you could like kind of throw something and like, yeah. oh, I'll go check over here. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. There's all this commotion. The stormtroopers catch them both. And now they're being pursued by list that Imperial supply master. And this is a kind of cool thing. We talked about this droid in the last episode too, but there's that original protocol droid talking to a hammerhead um, as Ezra runs by when they turn the corner. Yeah. And it's, it's that uh, protocol droid that's based on the original concept art for C3PO. Which is a cool design. Um, right. and, and that and Chopper, which we haven't gotten into like much of character talk about him, looks a lot like that Ralph yeah. McQuarrie droid that's behind um in that specific painting you're referencing. Yeah, so Chopper's based on, on yeah. the original concept part for our two D two. Yeah. Um and so in Zeb similarly is based on the original Chewbacca. Oh, McCory drawing. Interesting. So the rebels really used a lot of this stuff, which is cool. Yeah, I love it. Um, So uh, while they're escaping, this part was so weird, but I liked it. Zeb's like climbing a wall, like very Spider-Man like while holding Ezra. So he's able to hold Ezra while climbing a wall using his feet and his like claws. Mm -hmm. Well, this goes back to like the dexterity thing you were talking about, like. There's no footholds or handholds on there. He's straight up Spider-Man no, climbing. Yeah. Like, is he's just had, does he have sticky feet? I don't know. It's you like know. Nightcrawler, right? Yeah, yeah. it's totally like, like Nightcrawler. Yeah, like, that's what it reminded me of when he's crawling oh, the wall. Yeah. Um, and I do like, though, when he, he, like, throws Ezra up on the roof. But when he gets shot down, I like that as he's falling, he, like, turns midair like a cat and, like, pounces <laughs> on a stormtroopers. <laughs> and I was like, dude, Zeb is... Like he's intent. Like they don't. I don't feel like they don't utilize enough of like this primal warrior piece of him. Yeah, right. it's pretty cool. Um, so he they get split up, and like Zeb is point blank in front of some stormtroopers, but they don't shoot him for some reason. Even though like anyone could shoot someone from three feet away like that. Yeah, it's the same problem with that stupid show Walking Dead this season where it's like <laughs> ne- Negan is right there and no one will just freaking shoot him. I'm like, this would end it all. 
<laughs> yeah, I can't not, stand that show. I'm not keeping up with it. <laughs> You're not missing anything. Um, but Zeb sees a TIE fighter. It's piloted by a guy named Baron Fallon Rudor, <laughs> which this guy has a name. Nazi. <laughs> right? so he shows up a couple times and has a name and a backstory, but like, I don't think he does anything in the series. So I don't know why he has a, why he has some sort of arc, but Zeb just jumps on top of the TIE fighter, opens the door that's yeah. on top and then pulls him out, which like do TIE fighters just not have like a lock? Well, um, I, okay. So note on that, Dave, uh, Fellini, he said that the rebels tie fighters are specifically based off Ralph McCory's drawings post a new hope. Uh, um, and he also made them more proportionally similar to the Hasbro toys than to the actual, a new hope tie fighters. So that makes me think in keeping in line with that. No, the toys doesn't have the toys, <laughs> toy, toys don't have a lock on the, on the, yeah, I, I mean, guess, um, but yeah, bad design is bad design. I mean, they're like the worst, like starfighter ever. They have one Seriously. little porthole to look through. Yeah. All blind spot. Well, makes I, no sense. I'm just that thinking about it with my car. Like if my car doesn't have a lock, like what happens if they just accidentally like, like the TIE fighter guys like stretching? He's like, oh, like bumps the door well, and it flings open. And he gets sucked out of his TIE fighter in space. Well, they're supposed to be really hard to get into because wasn't like everyone speculating after New Hope that like they were like, how do TIE fighters land? And it's like, no, they can't land on their wings and they can't land on their wings because they wanted to design them so they could only dock in yeah, their base. And like, if you tried to put it down anywhere else, like if someone stole it or hijacked it, they couldn't land it or like yeah. all these things, the wings were too delicate. Yeah. I heard that it was because they don't want like TIE fighter pilots to desert. Yeah. So like they have to come back to this, to the start. Which you know, you have a bad, you know, I, I military think just speculation though. I don't think that's really canon because no. we see docked TIE fighters in this series that are just like chilling on the ground. Well, like in Force Awakens, aren't they all just hanging in a like hanging from wires in a hand? Yeah, they're like an yeah. organizer. Kind yeah, of nice. oh. yeah, it is cool. I like that. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, no, while we're talking about Tie Fighters, I really want to briefly mention another thing Dave Fellini said that was really interesting was that this episode was all conceptually based around his childhood, where when he would play with his toys. He would take TIE fighters, but he would put the good guys inside them <laughs> and fly those around. And so his idea was like, well, I'm just going to, I want to do an episode like that where I put good guys inside a TIE fighter. Oh, that's and fun. so I thought that, and this is these, yeah, these are pre force awakens. Yeah. These episodes. So that hadn't person, happened yet. This must be such a dream come true for him. Cause it's yeah. like, I could play with all my favorite toys as much as I want to make them do whatever I want. I mean, it's, my dream come true yeah it's like when i used to like have yeah. my power ranger toys driving the ninja turtles bus that doesn't make like, sense i'm the master of my universe <laughs> that one doesn't make sense that one doesn't make sense all right so uh one thing i really like in this tie fighter is that zeb like he so he gets control of it and first thing he does is just spin in circles and shoot everything he goes american like, psycho so fast <laughs> like he's having so much fun it's such a cool moment yeah. Yeah. And so he's taking off. He doesn't have control of it. And he's going down the alley. And this is when he smashes so close fruit, a fruit stand. And yeah. He's like, oh, my gosh. And shaking his hand. But I don't care. You're 
you're a snitch get out of here yeah that's true that's yep. true at first i kind of i missed that he ran into the fruit stand and i thought like and so like i think i was like eating and i looked up and there was all this stuff smeared across the TIE fighter window. And I was like, oh, my God, what did they hit? It's rodeo blood. <laughs> but then I found out it was just fruit. And I was like, oh, OK. Yeah. Um, so there's a fruit splattered window. Ezra's running. Oh, and he's yeah. like being pursued. This is another time we've talked about this a bunch of times where Ezra shoots a stormtrooper right in the chest with this slingshot. And it doesn't even phase him. Well, not only that, the stormtroopers even say don't worry it won't penetrate yeah. our armor so they're even they're even conscious of oh don't worry it's not gonna hurt us yeah so they're he's running away zab flies by and is like all right i'll save you but you gotta say we're even like holding it over his head he's like i'm gonna <laughs> leave you to die in the empire's hands if you don't say we're even <laughs> i like that ezra says okay okay we're even let me in let me in and he jumps in and then the first thing he does is like, all right, let me drive. Let me drive. And he starts like trying to drive. Could you imagine if I picked you up from your house? I was like, all right, I'm getting home from the podcast. And you from the passenger seat just started grabbing my steering wheel. Why would you do that? And yeah, also totally flying like sideways, like as he was, you know, I know. Getting like he's got the skills. Let's yeah, he was doing fine. Yeah, he seems proficient. And on the other <laughs> hand, we have zero evidence that Ezra has flown. I've never seen him fly anything. He's never been in space. So, like, why would he think he could fly anything? No, doesn't make sense. I don't get it. So he smashes into the fruit stand, like we said. And now because of their their fighting and bickering, they can't see out of the front window because it's splattered in fruit and and uh, blood. Yeah. Um, But as they are flying, they're slowly, you know, they can't see anything and they're slowly approaching this huge. Tony, you're a geologist. What would you call that? Like the. uh, uh, a rock. Oh, <laughs> we have it from a geologist, right. folks. They're That's approaching a large fun. rock. Yeah, take I don't that, know. Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I thought you'd say like plat, uh, like plateau, or like. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's not a plateau. I would be some sort of rock, uh, just rock. like a uh, just like sure. I don't know. It can it's not in a cave, so it can't it can't be a stalactite or stalagmite. But that's what it looks like. Yep. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So they're flying towards that thing and uh, Ezra, they can't see. And Ezra gets like this force feeling and he goes like, turn, turn. And like he grabs it and he makes them turn and they miss, you know, uh, near death. Why don't you go clean the window? We need to turn. Sure. I just knew. Good. It's it's good. And then like Zeb's like, oh thanks. I really appreciate it. Yeah, get out and clean the window. Well, I was I was confused when Zeb said thanks though. Because they can't see outside the window, so how did he know he actually did anything? Maybe Zeb has the force. Oh shoot. Oh man. Uh, Alright, so is. we're going back to the ghost. Uh, Sabine's up to something. We don't know. Like Hera walks by and he's like, You she's, you know this isn't your room. She's in a Zeb and Ezra's room doing some tricks mm. and you know Harris is like oh well, it's not as long as it's not my room and I, then I feel like I want to go back through this episode and every time Harris says anything I want to put in audience laughter because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's her role in this episode <laughs> um, so she meets up with Kanan and he's by the hollow chest he's playing hollow chess with Chopper kind of uh, yeah kind of which it doesn't seem like a good matchup I feel like artificial intelligence robot would be able to to wipe you 
every single time you play chess, but who knows? Uh, although the although Chopper's missing the main ingredient to a good game. Love. Love. <laughs> mm. so um, I thought that was called like the Jardic or something like that. That game they're playing. You're like, right. What's the official word on that? It does have an official yeah. name, but I just always called it Hollow Chess. Yeah, me too. That's but I like the the nod to New Hope anyway. Yeah. yeah. I like to think it's a nod to the holiday special, but whatever. You <laughs> <laughs> in that holiday special. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, so while they're chilling, playing some chess, they get a call from Zev and Ezra. And this is such a good conversation. Um, it's like, they're like, oh, like, how's the, how's the shopping going? Oh, I was so tricky, huh? And then in the background, here, like the like a TIE fighter. Oh, like, yeah. Wait, what's that sound? Right on cue. Go ahead, Spectre 4. Well, we've had a bit of a problem. I thought you might. Look, don't worry about the Melu runs. Yeah, Melu runs. Uh, we found some, but we lost them. Then we found them again, but we smashed them. Wait, what am I hearing? It sounds like... Yeah, about that. See, um, well, we stole a TIE fighter. You what? He's taking it better than I thought. Get rid of it. Do we have to? Like they're calling like <laughs> calling their mad mom very sitcom y like, oh my god, okay, so we accidentally crashed the car. Boom, 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 you're so mad at me. So they tell him that they accidentally stole a TIE fighter, <laughs> which is sick. Um and Kanan kind of freaks out. Yeah, I love that conversation. I love that there's they're just chilling in the ghost, having a relaxing night. Like I wanted them I wanted that scene to be expanded to the point where like they order Chinese, they like figure out like what hollow net movie they want to watch. Up, like, a couple space waffles, like, you know, getting to get, the, space bust out the space dip. Like it was like I was like, ooh, this is so comforting. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, it's nice. Um, so Kanan orders them to get rid of the TIE fighter and they'd be grudging. Like, fine. OK, fine. We'll get rid of it. But, you know, the way they've written Kanan's line that they're not going to. Like, this is such a like a, a, a written cue, like make sure you don't do anything. You know, don't get into any trouble. Just return the TIE fighter. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, dad. Bow, 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 bow. Oh, and then like audience applause. Do we have to? Uh, so now we're back on Morad's farm. Sumar, Sumar's. No. Yeah. His first name's Sumar. His last name's Morad. Yeah. I just know him as Sumar. We're on a first name basis. Uh, okay. <laughs> No big. Okay, cool, cool, cool. No big D or anything. Uh, so Supply Master List shows up at the farm that he's obsessed with, and we don't know why. And he says he forcibly evicts the family. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Imperial agent is like, you misunderstand me. We're not here to buy the farm. And then they, like, blow up their house. Mm-hmm. And I love, so... I love how you use that two-finger point, the standard know, right? material. Uh, so... Smile and ready. <laughs> <laughs> So that's part of their training. They have to go to pointing class. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not one finger. Two, two fingers. fingers. When you're evicting a farm, it's always two. <laughs> and they probably have like imperial regulation. Be like, all right, when directing traffic, you use one finger. But when evicting a farm, you use two fingers. What do you do if you're uh, pointing towards a party? Like there's the party's over there. So you put your index finger up and then mm-hmm. your pinky finger up and then you go rock up. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Mm. So they evict them and they 
they take them prisoner on that transport ship that we talked about before. And a little bit, a little interesting note is Morad, the farmer list, the Imperial agent and one of the stormtroopers in this yeah. episode are all voiced by the same guy. Yeah. His name's Liam O'Brien, Liam O'Brien. So he's basically evicting himself. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> deep. This is weirdly psychological. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Ezra and Zeb see the smoke from them blowing up that house. And Ezra's yeah. like convinces Zeb like, all right, let's go check it out. I think I know where that's coming from because he thinks it's coming from his buddy's house. Yeah. And so they they it doesn't take much convincing to get Zeb. I feel like it would have been harder to get Zeb to do this, but it's pretty Zeb agrees. Like, yeah, let's go over there. Um, so they head towards it. They show up and they find out that they have all been taken prisoner. Yeah. And the transports are going kind of fast. So they need him to slow down so that Ezra can get top on. And so he's like, all right, I'll impersonate an agent. He's like, I'm a Imperial Commander Meluron. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just funny. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, that checks out. Okay, cool. It's an old name, but it checks out, sir. And then they slow down. I, I love hate that that works. <laughs> like, it's no, the standard uh, trickery. Yeah. yeah. Rebel. I will somebody on the radio and they'll just fall for it. Totally. Until they ask for your uh, identification. Well, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. But it works. Yep. I don't so, understand why they keep the prisoners on the outside of that transport. Team. I actually love that, and I think we really? need to start doing it. I think it's. <laughs> I think it's about shame. Yeah. I think it's like, look what they did. It's like walking someone. Like, what if when you got arrested, you were? That's what car. Like, yeah. that's what. The, it's very Black Mirror. <laughs> yeah. I've never it's been a, arrested, they, so I don't, they, I don't know, man. But maybe if you had like, a stormtrooper <laughs> with a bell uh, standing on top, it's yeah. shame. That, that might be cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like they keep it open to make it so you can hit him with tomatoes. <laughs> um, I had the same thought, though. I thought it was kind of a weird, weird thing, but I guess I like it now. Um, but so Ezra jumps on top and uses the force to open the prisoner transport. So it opens those little doors and the farmer and his wife and the Aqualesh get to can kind of do the drop and roll and get off there. And then some stormtroopers like, oh, the prisoners are getting out. And they go up to confront Ezra and Zeb is giving him support from the air. Well, why don't they stop fighter. driving? Why, don't, why do they stop driving? Like, why do they keep moving? Like, it seems like I don't know. it seems like what is the benefit? They've lost the prisoners. So their cargo is gone. So they don't have to keep moving to protect anything. Yeah. Why don't they just stop? There's a small touch that I really like that uh, list. The Imperial agent kind of is like. It's like, oh, sir, the tra- the prisoners came out and he has like this smirk on his face. Like he's almost happy that they got out and he's like, open fire. It's like he, he <laughs> loves that they got out so that he can kind of try to kill them now. And then they shoot the cannons at the prisoners as they're running away. <laughs> Very devious. Yeah, it's pretty messed um, up. So I'm going to keep harping on this because I don't know why it bugs me so much, but it shows the people who are driving this and it's another weird stormtrooper helmet that we can't figure out what yeah, it is. It is weird. It has like an upside down Triforce symbol on the head, which I don't know what that signifies. I think it's probably a conspiracy. It's an Illuminati conspiracy. If I had to guess. Or, or <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, there's so many different, and it's just on Lothal though. Yeah. Lothal has all these weird helmets. These stormtrooper the helmets. The, the weird helmet. There's the weird cadet helmet up in the Star Destroyer oh, that looks kind of like it, but not really. Do you know what? I mean, I 
I doing this much research on rebels. I found out there's so much intentionality behind what Dave uh, Fellini does. And I wonder if these again are referential of some unused maybe star Wars design. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Everyone tweet Dave Filoni and ask him what the hell these, all of our three listeners, my mom included. Yeah. Tweet Dave Filoni and find out what this helmet is. Cause it's bugging me. I will say I have. Yeah. I don't know. I've, if anything, if I've learned anything from doing these, what what are we on the hundredth episode? (laughs) Um, It's that, I I don't know. I really like Dave Fellini's intentionality behind what he does. And it's given me like a huge respect uh, for the series. Mm, That's probably why it's bugging me because I know there's gotta be a source for it. And I can't find out what it is. So if anyone knows, let me know. Um, so Ezra's fighting some more stormtroopers on top of the transport. Again, his slingshot is very ineffective. It doesn't do anything. So he throws f- Maluron fruits at him because those are on top of the transport. Yeah. And those like knock the stormtroopers out. So his slingshot is so weak that he chooses <laughs> to use fruit to take out his enemies yeah. instead. Well, I like the combo effect of like throw a Melu, um, uh, a freaking stupid fruit name. <laughs> I'm gonna call them space melons. You yeah. throw a space melon at one stormtrooper, knocks them over, and then as he falls, he shoots his blaster <laughs> and it, yes. it shoots the other stormtrooper. And I, I loved that. I thought yeah. that was great. The other thing he does is so those stormtroopers are taken care of, and so he grabs an armful of the Meluron melons, yeah, and then a blaster shoots him and gets. He's guarded from a blaster shot because of these fruit. Yeah. So evidently, like, they deflect blaster fire. Yeah. And they can take out stormtroopers. So maybe that's why the Empire wants them. Ooh. I was saying, I don't know what it is. Maybe they're actually a highly dangerous yeah, tactical do weapon. <laughs> they're going to make melon armor. Or maybe the Emperor just, like, really likes them. Yeah. Maybe he just wants them on his table. Him and Hera can bond over that. <laughs> um, so in flies Zeb on the TIE fighter to save Ezra from... Yeah, this is really fun, too. And he pulls this maneuver, which makes me think this can't be his first time doing this, where he's driving the TIE fighter with his feet while hanging upside down with his arms out to grab Ezra and pull him into the TIE fighter. On what planet... It's very trapeze-like. what world is this physically possible? You don't... I think Ezra's, I mean, I get it, the force, but Ezra's (laughs) arms would be like pulled out of his sockets or like, or like the whiplash from that swing would like break his neck. Maybe. I don't know. It doesn't seem like he's going that fast. It's like a trapeze artist. I didn't didn't get too concerned when I saw that. I think you're being a little nitpicky on our Star Wars podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how fast do you think they're going? Like how many miles per hour are they going? Uh, I think they use the metric system, so it's like kilometers. So two, two metric miles per hour. It's <laughs> lazy. Is man. that how it works? Carry uh. four. Like sixteen. Yeah, uh, fast so enough to kill a man. Zeb, uh, <laughs> Zeb rescues Ezra, and he knows he has a helmet collection, so it's actually pretty sweet. Zeb's Aww. like, oh, "I got this helmet for you." Great Zeb voice. And thanks. That's really good. That's yeah. actually really good. Say, <laughs> yeah. Kate. 
Can you say, okay, now use the Zeb voice and say, you've reached Michael. He's not here right now. <laughs> you've reached Michael. He's not here right now. <laughs> I'm using that for my answer. <laughs> I don't think that's very good. I can't do impressions, uh, but I like doing them. So I will keep doing bad impressions. But he, he gives Ezra a helmet and Ezra first is like, oh, I already have that one. I do love Zeb's reaction to the how hurt he looks when he says that. I was like, oh, yeah. He was like so hurt. Zeb's so hurt and it's so sweet. And then Ezra sees that and he's like, oh, but but I really like this one. And he, he takes the helmet and then it's, <laughs> this is it's a nice one. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Thanks for the save. Guess I owe you now. Let's just say we're eternally even. Oh, you collect these, right? I already have that one. But this is a nice one. And besides, maybe I can get Sabine to paint it for me. So, thanks. It's a very sweet moment. Now they're friends. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think that this is the turning point yep. of the relationship. I think it's sweet. Yeah. Um, so we see we're back to the ghost that's parked on the outskirts of this city. Um, also, I really like that it's parked on the outskirts of the city because it reminds me of the Phantom Menace when they park outside of Mos Espa. Yeah. And I don't know why it reminds me of that. Like they're walking back to the ship. Um Ezra and um, Zeb have just crashed the TIE fighter, are walking back. Quote unquote crash. Yeah, they've crashed it. Hera and uh, Kanan are standing outside, like mm-hmm. wondering, you know, where they are. Yeah, like disappointed parents. Yeah. Like it's like one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, and so they say, like, don't worry, we crashed it. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. And they like, they let him back on the ship. He says, don't worry about the fruit. But he ended up getting a little fruit. So everything's OK. Uh, so they go back into the ghost and Sabine's like, all right, I'm all done. And they go into their room to see what Sabine's been up to. Finished. Uh, finished with what, Sabine? Thought it was a moment that needed to be immortalized. say you wanted to be my inspiration. Yeah, but that makes me look like a fool. Makes me look like a bigger fool. I paint what I see. I love the painting. I know. And she painted a mural of them fighting and Ezra crashing on top of Zeb. Oh, you know, know I didn't. I don't know if you guys talked about it, uh, but uh, when they were walking back to Ghost, and uh, didn't it look like the shot from like Independence Day? Oh, like, totally! Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, walking back. <laughs> oh, yeah! It it's hazy looking, and they're smoking cigars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that is. T- oh man, I want to do a side by side of those two. Yeah, I'm already doing that. That's what I was doing. I wasn't paying attention. Ezra <laughs> is such a Will Smith type uh, from that movie. Welcome to Earth. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and then a bad word is said. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we've seen Sabine's mural. They don't seem super bummed about it, though. Yeah. They're like, oh, this makes me look like a fool. It's like, oh, more of a fool or something like that. But they don't seem that bummed. I noticed another thing when you look like kind of in the background, there's like a stack of magazines in their room mm. and they totally look like Noonie mags. Like they look like no. there's like a girl alien on the cover. Hmm. And so maybe just speeder bike a mag. A little bit of a man cave in there. Oh boy. Yep. Um, I like Hera's last line, she says. 
because she says, well, at least they got, you know, cause they're bickering and she kind of has this pithy line where she's like, well, at least they got rid of the tie. And then once again, <laughs> cue audience laughter. It's his fault. At least they got rid of the tie. <laughs> that's where the episode freezes, but then shrugging and yeah. roll jump in the jump in the air. Yep. You got it, dude. Cool. So that's the end of the episode. Unless anyone has any other notes. Tony, do you have anything else to say about the uh that episode before we wrap it up? Oh no, man. It was really cool. It was really cool. Yeah. So we do this so we do this uh scale system now. And we're gonna ask for yours. Um, Peter, why don't you start with your scale system? Yeah, so it's it's a it's a relative scale just to you, so you can pick whatever you want. It's basically the best thing in Star Wars to you to the worst thing in Star Wars. So my scale is on a scale of Jar Jar Binks being farted on by an Eopi to, and he's like, "Oh, pizza!" <laughs> and then <laughs> the best thing is the highest is Luke and Vader and that dark saber fight in the Empire Emperor's chamber on Jedi in Jedi. Um, so on that scale, I give this episode a wet Obi-Wan Kenobi on Kamino. Um, I think it's probably dumb. It's probably not needed, but it's still it's still pretty fun, which I so that translates to about like a C. All right. OK. Yeah. And my scale per usual is worse crap is, of course, C-3PO was created by Anakin Skywalker mm-hmm. to best thing. <laughs> Luke Skywalker gazing into the twin sunset well john williams binary sunset theme plays on tatooine because uh-huh. it's so magical um so this episode would probably fall into about a uh pod race scene which is yeah you know a little long didn't really know how it ties into everything kind of developed the characters a little bit it's about a C for me as well. Right. So we're putting you on the spot here, Tony, which oh, is what we're man. trying to do. So what is so what's the worst thing in Star Wars okay, to you? Okay, worst for me, hands down, Jar Jar speech the Senate. Ooh, good one. That's thematic. Oh, that's thematically bad. This, yeah, on every level, awful. And best, I cannot believe it. And we did not talk about this before, Mike, but uh, Luke staring at the binary stars and tattooing. Wow. Nice. Yeah, that's wow. the best moment, right? Okay. I get the best run in the family. No question. I, wow. Right. Okay. But cool. I gave it a, a solid cantina band jam session. Ooh. Okay. You know I mean? right. Yeah, it's kind of lighthearted. Not a lot of it's necessary, but it kind of fills the void. So yeah, it's it fun. Kind of a B to B. I mean, okay. Yeah. okay. Cool. Uh, yeah. All right. I respect that. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, uh, Tony, any uh, final, any parting words for the people? Oh, man. Not really, but it was awesome to talk to you guys about this. I think we could do this for another couple hours, but honestly, uh, we have lives. But uh, <laughs> this is a great honor to be with you guys, really. Yeah, Holy totally. Stuff. Thanks uh, for coming. Where, where can we find you on social media? Uh, you hit me up on my Twitter at Tony Norton. Cool. That easy. That easy. Sweet. All right. Well, now it's that time again where uh, we just me and Peter. Yeah. Take some time to do a bit of more of a deep dive. Turn the into lights the e- down low. Nope. Leave <laughs> the lights up, please. Um, 
They have bad vision, you know that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's time to do another character portrait. Yay. This episode, we are doing a deep dive into Kara Syndulla. That's what the character portrait is on this week. Did you say ep- Kara Syndulla? I sure did. <laughs> it's Hera Syndulla. Um, whatever. We're leaving that in. Yep. So Hera Syndulla is a Twi'lek revolutionary who became a central figure in the early rebellion against the Galactic Empire and the formation of the Alliance to Restore the Republic. Da, 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 da. Bing! She was <laughs> born on the planet Ryloth, Ryloth to Sham Syndulla and her mother, the unnamed beauty from this stained glass painting we'll see later in the series. Oh, Mike, that's really beautiful. I know, that's why I put it in here. Um, so her father, Sham... Cham was a freedom fighter that we see first in season one, episode 21 of the Clone Wars, entitled Liberty of Ryloth, where Mace Windu has to convince him to help save the capital city from drone destruction. So the Syndulla roots run pretty deep in the Star Wars universe. They go all the way back to the Clone Wars, where we first meet the Syndulla family. Mm, cool. Yeah, that's cool. That's actually a cool episode. Yeah. Um, so when Hera was a little girl during the time of the Clone Wars... She and her mother hid underground while the Separatist droid army occupied her homeworld. The Republic clone army came and Hera was, she famously looked up at their ships and decided in that moment to become a pilot. Uh, And this prompted her to leave her family and home to pursue what she loved. Uh, But there is more to come on that very soon as we will soon be taking a look at those episodes specifically where all of this happens. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to leave some of her childhood out for now because an episode pretty much is going to divulge that. All right. Cool. Uh, but what I do want to get into is a little bit of the book, a new Dawn where Hera character is fleshed out a bit more. And uh, yeah, so the re the rebellion uh, in the rebellion, uh, Syndulla led on Lothal attracted the attention of Tarkin and Vader, but it also gained notice by Bail, Bail Organa. Oh, here's a, there's the time together. And his efforts to coordinate, uh, he tried to coordinate efforts between various rebel cells in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And so, one of Sin, so Syndulla's rebel cell was definitely a prominent one that he took notice of. Um, so some of the cells that sh- they attached with were the Phoenix squadron, which we will see again later. I'm going to leave that. Um, but kind of to jump into that book, a new dawn. So following the rise of the galactic empire, Hera became a, like a killer starship pilot and he left her home world in 12 BBY. She joins a rebel network led by the mysterious figure known as Fulcrum, who we'll talk about that character later. Mm. So, and that's what I call a tease. A tease. So, despite her differences <laughs> with her father uh, about Ryloth's struggle, she was still inspired by his reputation and work as a rebel leader to follow his path. So, as a rebel operative, Hera tailed the mo- movements of this one count named Count Dentrius Vidian, who is the main and kind of the main, one of the two main antagonists of A New Dawn. And that's a weak name, by the way, Count Vidian. I don't know. It sounds like a bit like Count Vivian. Sounds like a medication. Yeah. Better check with your doctor before you <laughs> before you take Vidian. So but anyway, so Vidian is one of Palpatine's efficiency experts who was charged with speeding up the production <laughs> on Imperial Worlds and was had this reputation for his like 
disregard disregard towards the lives of other sentients. I bet he worked on the executor. I mean, because that's where you go. Well, what that. I'm confused about is he's a count. Is his <laughs> title? So he's a vampire. Yes, I think that's canon, right? All the counts are vampires. Team Edward. Okay, cool. I don't know. I'm like, is is a count? An imperial title, or if to me, <laughs> to me, it feels like a landowner title. That sounds like a deep dive for like when we're in season three and run okay. out of ideas. We're like, now we're gonna go into the exciting world of counts. Well, I just, I don't know. <laughs> I, it seems like a, a like a royal family kind of like landowner title, not yeah. like a, I don't know. So, anyways, Count Vidian, right. he's the main antagonist. So, Hera is tracking him down. And so, um, yeah, so after she learns that Vidian is visiting the, uh, the Gorse system, and this is where a lot of the book takes place. So she goes there in the ghost, um, and Hera manages to infiltrate the mining moon of Cinda. And again, this is where a lot of stuff happens, mm-hmm. which was the home to a vast reserves of Thor- Thorlide. And this is a crystal that's used in the manufacturing of deflector shields. Uh. So, like, that's the resource they're after. But to get this resource, they have to, like, blow up a ton of this planet. <laughs> but Vidian doesn't really care. Yeah. And so, Hera and Kanan uh, eventually meet up uh, for the first time in this book. And they kind of work together. Um, and they manage to infiltrate uh, the Moonglow polychemical in, and I love this part, in, hover, in a hover bus. <laughs> with the help of this guy... Uh, Okadai Garrison, who worked for the company as a bus driver. So there are bus drivers, as we've we All saw right. in the episode before and in this episode. There is the Empire. They're kind of socialists. There, there seems to be free public transportation. Oh, so maybe they weren't all that bad. Maybe they weren't all that bad. Huh. Just throwing this out there. Anyways, all this stuff starts going down. The book's honestly a little boring. But uh, after they, um, uh, so Kanan at one point gets trapped, uh, captured by this Imperial Navy cabin captain named Ray Sloan. And she shows up in other places and she's yeah. fairly interesting. Where do you, and I was going to ask you, so what do you know? Do you remember Ray Sloan? Um, I remember the name. I don't remember, but I remember her. She was in the Aftermath books. She was in all three of the Aftermath, aftermath books. I don't remember the details because that book was confusing, but I remember yep. she was in it. And then wasn't she in Lost Stars too? No, but the, the, I thought that as well. The uh-huh. Because the main characters, remember, it's Thane, Kyrell, and Sienna Ray. Oh, uh, but no I, relation? No relation okay. to Ray Sloan. They're just names. I don't know. Their names just sound familiar. Yeah. Um, and so Ray Sloan was in the Aftermath books. She's also in the Kanan comics. And so mm-hmm. you might remember her from those. And she actually like pops up in the Kanan cl- comics and is like, remember me, like I'm here to take revenge. <laughs> and you wouldn't know why that's important unless you've read a new Dawn. That's weird. So it's a little weird when she pops up, but I went back and I read those comics after I read a new Dawn and it was kind of nice, <laughs> but it takes a lot of background knowledge for that to be like, to have any implications that are cool anyways uh i'm gonna skip through a lot of this basically canon escapes sloan's imperial started destroyer that's named the ultimatum cool name i like that and vidian uh is defying imperial orders for personal gain and sloan who's a loyal imperialist stops him and vidian is killed in the process hera and canon escape 
Um, while they're trying to escape, as all these explosions are going off on Cinda, um, Kanan uses the Force to save Hera from this falling catwalk and reveals and confirms he does have Force powers. Um, so after transporting, you know, uh, people off and getting them safe, Hera and Kanan decide to travel together as rebels on her ship, the Ghost. Ooh. Um, and following this conflict, Hera, Kanan, and Chopper formed the rebel cell known as Spectres, based on the Ghost. Eventually joined up the Lasat Warrior and a former Mandalorian Imperial Cadet, who we know well. So there's a little snapshot of Harrison Dula. Some Easter eggs. Everyone knows this, but if for some reason you're not a Star Wars nerd and you don't know this, she pops up in Rogue One, mm -hmm. right? Just her name over the, uh, we're on the Rebel base and you hear over the speaker. Them General Sandula, Patron General Sandula. Exactly. You hear that in the background. Yeah. So um, she pops up in a couple places. That's cool. I love that she pops up in Rogue One, but there's Hera. Nice. You know what that is, Mike? That's so a wizard, Mike. Thanks, dog. <laughs> How do you like them, Jogans? <laughs> All right, thanks, Mike. Uh, are you ready to get deep? I'm eating an apple, but I'm still ready. <laughs> you animal. All right, it's time to do a deep dive into the Star Wars Expanded Universe. Yay! So, I mean, this episode doesn't have anything super specific. It's pretty standalone. So I thought this would be a good chance for us to talk about a thing that we love. The, one of the reasons we're doing this podcast is the Expanded Universe. Yeah. Cool. So. The first recognized EU content was Star Wars from the adventures of Luke Skywalker. It was a novelization of the screenplay for the first Star Wars film. It was released six months before the film and uh, it was attributed to George Lucas, but it was actually written by Alan Dean Foster. Yep. Yeah. Um, so it basically, it followed the original story and but one of the interesting things about it is it was based off George Lucas's script, but Foster was in charge of kind of fleshing out some of the details of the galaxy. So like the races and the languages and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Some of the technology, like George Lucas just basically let Foster do all this stuff. And the book became a huge hit. So this is before the movie was even out. It was only out for three months and it sold out of its first run. I think it went on to sell like 250 million copies in the first year. I don't know. Is that a lot? You wouldn't know. You book nerd. I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> inflation? I don't know. Yeah. But it sounds like a lot. So the second piece of EU is this thing. George Lucas wasn't convinced that Star Wars would even be that popular. And he was nervous that he wasn't going to be able to get funding for a second movie. So he commissioned Foster, the same guy, to write this book called Splinter of the Mind's Eye. And basically it was a book, but it would act as a script for a low budget sequel if the movie flopped and they couldn't get funding for a second one. Huh. So it's like super standalone. It's an adventure of like Leia and Luke on a swamp planet and Vader and some, some 
stormtroopers are chasing them and it mainly takes place on one planet so you could see kind of where it'd be low budget um but that was super popular too obviously star wars became a big hit so they went on to make empire instead of that but what it did was that book heralded this greater eu so marvel started their first line of star wars comics in 1977 and they're awesome i have them Ooh, yeah they're actually credited for saving marvel from bankruptcy in the late 70s because yeah. marvel wasn't doing very well but that series was a huge hit um so it keeps going it keeps going but the big dog the big kahuna the big zonhuna if you will what in 1991 Timothy Zahn, and I'm so stoked to, to get into this eventually, you were banned from reading anything about this or doing any research on Thrawn because you just revealed you didn't know Thrawn was an EU character. Uh, yeah, I didn't read. I've read some of the, I've read a lot of the EU books, but yeah, I've not read any Tim, Timothy Zahn EU. Yep. So the big dog in the fight in 1991 Star Wars is in a huge rut in the late 80s. Toys aren't selling. Books aren't selling. It's kind of, people are afraid it's dead. But then in 1991, Timothy Zahn wrote Heir to the Empire, which takes place after Return of the Jedi and introduces two of the most iconic EU characters ever. Mara Jade, who is Luke Skywalker's wife. Not into it. Don't like her. And Thrawn. I mean, I like Mara Jade. I just don't like that it's Luke Skywalker's wife. Yeah, I like him having like a monastic quality. And yeah, I, I get I just, that. I don't, I don't like just, I don't know. Yeah, but um, it that blew up. It reached the number one on the New York Times bestseller list, and it jump started a huge EU rush in the nineties. They actually um, suggest that because of the Thrawn trilogy and the newfound interest in the nineties. That is what convinced George Lucas to do the prequels. Well, thanks, Timmy. Yeah, so I'm not a huge fan of those books, but I am happy that he did it so we can get the prequels, hmm. even if they're a little mixed. So even at this time, though, the only sources considered canon were the screenplays, the films, the radio dramas, and official novelizations. And, and my home movies. And Mike's home movies. <laughs> um, but... George Lucas's team admitted that they read everything and, quote, much of it is taken into account in the overall continuity, including Mike's home movies. Yep. So the only rule was George Lucas banned anyone from telling stories of principal characters before A New Hope because he didn't want anything to clash with the story he was going to tell about Palpatine and, uh, and Anakin in the prequels. So... In 2004, USA Today wrote that 1,100 Star Wars titles had been published. That's so many. Yeah. How much of that is complete garbage? <laughs> so a, high, a high number of that is garbage. Yeah, fair. Um, so, but and, and I wonder, like, how many of those are novels? Like, fully fleshed out novels? How many of these are short stories? Or, like... I don't, I want to see the breakdown of like it's a lot because I remember going into like the science fiction area of my library when I was a kid and it was just shelves and shelves of Star Wars books. Yeah. And a lot of it. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, again, this is one of the reasons I like the Disney wipe. Yeah. Well, you're, you're OK with you're, it. You're you're leading me right into my next point. In 2012, Disney bought 
Lucasfilms. Whooping! And they announced in a sweeping mandate, very Palpatine-esque, that nothing is canon except for the Clone Wars film, the Clone Wars animated series, and the regular films. And I am totally okay with that. I, at first, was really upset. Yeah. It's like, I'm more upset for other people than myself. Because, mm-hmm. like, I love that there are so much Star Wars to be read and explored outside of the films. And I'm really enjoying, now more than ever, reading comics and books. But one of the reasons I really like doing it is because I know it's canon. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not speculation. And I really like that. Yeah. And one of the things that was off-putting about the old EU to me was it was like, what divergent timeline do I want to jump on? And so I feel bad for the people who spent so much time reading and looking at everything. Those are the people I feel bad for. Because if all of a sudden the canon I've been reading and studying is totally wiped, yeah, I'm PO'd. Yeah, I get that. There was a ton of controversy about it. I think my opinion is there's just so much to wade through. and. George Lucas even said that that stuff wasn't technically canon. Um, So, I mean, I get that you put a lot of time into this, but can't really be mad because it was never officially recognized. Yeah, also get a life. (laughs) Right? Get a life. life. Don't just sit around talking about podcasts. Yeah. I mean, mean, (laughs) that's Freudian. But when they wiped out the EU, they said that all the old stuff are now considered legends within the Star Wars universe. And a new structured EU would be rolled out by the Lucasfilm Story Group. So the Lucasfilm Story Group are 11 individuals who are tasked with aligning all stories within the new EU and planning a future vision for the universe. So they recently came out and said they're, th- they're thinking about the next 10 years of Star Wars stories. Fun fact, yeah. a lot of stuff is being pulled out of Legends for the new EU now, which is, I think is really cool. Sure. But a couple of things were taken out of Legends by George Lucas himself, like Coruscant was not created by George Lucas. It was actually created by Timothy Zahn in the, in the Thrawn trilogy. And Lucas liked that, so, that's, so huh. he used that as the capital when he made the prequels, which huh. is pretty neato. I'm, I like that Timothy Zahn got to write the new Thrawn book. <laughs> yeah, that's cool, too. It's, like, good. I don't know. Because it would have been such a... It's like a symbiote a... circle, some would say. I don't know what that means. Um, but I would have been so ticked O if I had, you know, written the Thrawn trilogy and then wasn't allowed to come back and write the new one. It would have been such a middle finger. And, like, mm-hmm. I'm glad that Timothy Zahn is recognized for the work he's done. Yeah. Good. Good. good yep. Great job, guys. Cool. All right, and that's all I got. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you, Peter, for that uh, EU deep dive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, please follow us on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook by searching for Rebels Rebels Pod. Follow us on iTunes. Leave us a review. Tell us what we can improve upon. I thrive on constructive criticism, but just don't criticize me. (laughs) Um, Uh, Thanks to Tony for coming on the episode. Again, you can reach him on Twitter at Tony Norton, all one word. Mm -hmm. And got any poetic words for us, Mike? Well, just that. Until next time. Be brave out there, and don't look back. 
Don't. Peace. Bye.